Hello and lo- welcome to the Lee Spokes Podcast. I am Randall. And I'm Roger. And this is David. And this is a show about uh, motocross, dirt bikes, uh, dual sports, and the like. Uh, we're going to start by kind of updating, um, you know, where we are with seasons. Uh, they've pushed the outdoor season uh, another week. Or so, and uh, have announced that from now on they'll simply be shortening the season instead of pushing it farther into the fall. Um, probably a good idea is that they're they're trying to work with Supercross uh, on that to make sure that everyone can kind of get a season in before the end of the year. And to do that, uh, the sport as a whole has started a what they call Safe to Race Task Force, uh, and it's a it's a group of uh, group of people from AMA, AMA Pro Racing, Feld, Ignite, NX Sports, uh, and the like. And they are, you know, getting together and discussing, you know, when they start, how they start, how they're going to deal with um, booking spaces and events and kind of working together for the good of the sport as a whole. And that includes TT Racing and GNCC. So they're all finally starting to, to talk to each other. Um, are we going to get, are we going to get decent seasons or are we going to kind of have, uh, uh, more like the triple crown that they have in, in, uh, Canada, are we going to have something like a short race that they're going to call a six, six race season in all these and kind of just try and get everyone, get a piece of the pie. I think they'll have two shortened seasons is what I think they'll end up with. Mm. It's going to be an asterisk next to this year, no matter what happens. That's for sure. Yes, I, I yes. think that's going to bum a lot of people out. But um, I, I, I think I said this last time we talked about it. I'm still of the opinion of you know, drop the Supercross. There isn't a champion this year, and uh, and yeah, fit whatever motocross you can in. But if you drop the Supercross part, then you can probably get a whole motocross season in, and that's probably worth more than having a partial season of both but I, i'm sure the money people don't think that's true but i don't know <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot of people the supercross brings in especially for the teams that brings in money and most uh you know ama teams spend money and lose money racing outdoors mm-hmm. even though the outdoors is the roots of it you know i, I would probably probably would want to agree with you on that dave if i if we had to choose yeah but they're probably going to do both and they're probably going to do a short one like you're saying like a like a triple crown or something like that for i don't know for okay so if they cut the supercross season down let's say eight races so 16 eight weekends 16 races um and then they do let's say five uh five of the remaining supercross rounds um Mm -hmm. i think they only need to do one more to make an official season so really they could do one but i don't think they would do that i think they're going to bring it back to do at least a few so let's Mm -hmm. say let's say they do a dozen weekends of motocross five weekends of supercross so we're looking at uh, five months to get that in and that means they won't be doing no matter what uh given the number of months left in the year they will not be able to do the motocross nations they mm-hmm. um they're barely going to be able to get ready for the start of the next supercross season 
Um, there's getting the transition from Supercross to Motocross to Supercross. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think half the riders are going to say, no, thank you. And even if they did, I think the injury rate's going to go up. Um, I don't think the racing will be as good. I mean, coming back to Supercross for even just a short five rounds after having totally tooled yourself for the motocross season, it's going to take three rounds to get their 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 riding styles back in order for that. So it may make the racing interesting in the sense that you know, they're not already all wound up and it's the end of the season. They're they're rewinding, but I just I just it's going to put an asterisk on the whole thing. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what I, there what will I think be we're going to is, is we're going to see uh, four guys um, basically stop outdoors early with the potential of stopping outdoors early. Uh, Roxon, <clears throat> Tomac, Ferrandis, and Sexton will very likely um, just stop outdoor, stop practicing outdoors, and even miss the last few outdoors potentially if they don't have a chance of winning that championship to get ready for Supercross. But I think the rest of the guys that are already mathematically out of the, uh, of the Supercross uh, points chase, I think they all want, uh, you know, to prioritize outdoors. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, 80 guys lining up at each outdoor uh, event and 76 of them, they're going to be all in on outdoors. Um, and, you know, Ferrandis has a good shot outdoors in the 250, but uh, Chase is going to be on a 450, so he's already, you know, kind of just poking around, so he'll definitely play it safe. But, I mean, those guys are not going to be factors in outdoor because they will probably prioritize staying healthy to finish out the Supercross series. I could see that happening for sure. I would think Ferrandis, he wouldn't, if he's close, which he will be, he, he wouldn't stop. And uh, Tomac and Groxon, if they're outdoors, and I don't think they would stop. if they're And they're going to be in the top two or three, probably. I mean, I yeah. think. I don't know. But, I, it, I, but if you get like three races to go and you tell them you're in a position to win Super outdoors and supercross all in a three month span. Like, you know, what are you going? What are you going to prioritize? You pretty much have to, you know, you have to pick one. It'll be easy for Chase, but you know, if Rox and Tomac are locked in the same battle that they are now outdoors, which is a good possibility, mm-hmm. you know, they're eventually going to have to, you know, with three rounds left, go. You know, how hard do I ride outdoors knowing that I need to focus on the other one? And then if they hear, you know, Tomac hears that Roxon has started practicing indoor again with me around the left, <laughs> you know, he's got to decide, you know, do I take this opportunity to capitalize outdoors? Yeah, definitely a monkey wrench no matter what, and more than one. I, you know, I, 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 you know how well my predictions go. You've seen my score with the Fantasy League, and I don't think Max Osborne even came in the top five. So, so I'm probably not the best when it comes to predicting how things are going to go. But um, I, I just, I just, what I imagine is it's going to push out one more time, and then they're going to, they're going to, um, they're going to drop the Supercross. That's my prediction. 
That's an interesting, interesting angle. That's you know, and you could be right. Because that way, if they did that, they can get in a full motocross season and still participate in motocross nations and still have time after motocross to prep for supercross of next year. I want to touch on donations because Roger and I had talked about this off mic about there's simply no there who's going to show up for donations yeah. because most of the MXGP guys that's in the middle of their season. Yeah, they now. still got races afterwards. So. They have a lot of races after. Yeah, I could see that one getting dropped. I can see that that getting dropped. It's been dropped like I think six times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's since the start of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that happening. Have you heard whether they're going to move the um, Monster Energy Open? The 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 uh, Monster Cup they call yeah. it. Monster Cup. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's a good. That's a good question. We're going to have to. I think that's something that it's too far out to really mm. get a handle on because it's. I mean, they, otherwise it would be maybe they could open the. Uh, supercross season that way like have the last outdoors and then for people that you know dropped out outdoors or whatever have that in the middle week so you go from iron man to the monster cup which is supercross it could be like an opening round but not points paying and then go right into the equivalent of you know uh, indianapolis and start the season there that way there's still kind of a a transition race that you can either take that time to to test or to rest or to get some supercross uh under your belt i think that would probably be a smart way of doing it make that the first round or an interstitial round between the two well let's see what do we need 12 weekends to get in a full outdoor season right mm-hmm. so let's say we start outdoor in july so we need july august and september so that still gives October's, um, you know, if they wanted to do it in October, they could still squeeze in the the um, monster. I keep wanting to call it the Open, but what is it called again now? It used to be called the U.S. Open. Now it's Monster Energy Cup. Thank you, Monster Energy Cup. So they can do the Monster Energy <laughs> Cup in October. And, yeah, and then you're right, probably skip the whole, well, I think obviously by then the MXN has been skipped, so. Yeah, that that would be that would be the donations. Basically, is uh, is pretty much the closest thing we'd have is the U.S. Open. Yeah, well, and that that fits better because now people have transitioned into prepping for a Supercross, so it'll be early. But I mean, I, I it, that's as, as long as they start in July. But you know, they start later than July, then now even that starts to be you know, questionable, unless like you're saying, they push it out to November or December and that might still work. I mean, I would love to see the monster cup in December, but I think all the writers, you know, typically are taking a break right about then. And, uh, but that's, this is a, this is an asterisk year. Nothing's going to be normal. So <laughs> but we already kind of have that usually in the October, you know, uh, energy cup. Now I'm calling it the open, the energy <laughs> cup, uh, they already kind of do that there where they're like, well, we'll race if we want to, but generally we're, we're resting or racing or testing. So a lot of people just don't show up. Uh, so I don't think this would be any different to have like a, a December race, but it would have to be at an indoor venue. 
Well, I'm trying to think of the last time Mo the Open didn't include the top writers. Uh, the um, geez, the Energy Cup. Sorry, Emmy. I, uh, I think it's always had the top writers. If you look it up, you'd be shocked how many people are missing. Yeah, this year there was no Honda guys except for uh, um, uh, Stewart. Malcolm Stewart was the only Honda guy there. <clears throat> yep, there was no, there was no Cole Sealy, there was no Ken Roxon. Like, if if you really look through, there was Savachi and there was uh, Tomac, and like it really kind of fell off. Yeah, hold up, um, Cole Sealy couldn't ride, and Roxon was still injured. It was this year. Oh, you mean? Oh, they already had the entrance listed for this year's. Race? No, no. Uh, excuse me for 2019. 2019. Yeah. So, oh, still injured. You're right. Yeah. I didn't. Re I didn't remember that he didn't ride. Yeah, you're right. In 18, he was still injured, but in 19, yeah, he was good to go. But oh. they, um, they didn't go. Okay, but Sealy was out though because he was still on drug duty, right? No, who was? Who am I thinking of? Which Honda rider just came back? I'm thinking of the other guy. Um. Well, I know Malcolm Stewart was there, and no. he came back with yeah. a injury, I think. Yeah, who's the guy that yeah. came back this uh, season, though, the, the Supercross season that, uh, in the 250s? Uh, Chris, uh, Christian Craig. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Christian Craig, yeah. I got, I got Christian Craig mixed up there with uh, Cole Sealy. But, but again, there's there's no 250 riders there. Like, yeah. if, if the 250s are going to be there, they're either the amateurs moving up or they are the, um, you know, they're on a 450. So... Mm -hmm. To kind of give you an idea, I'm, I'm looking at the 2019, uh, you know, Monster Cup ener energy results. And, I mean, Tyler Bowers got 10th. Like, Benny Bloss got 7th. There was Vince Freeze got 4th. That's not exactly stacked. I mean, you had Cincerillo, Tomac, and Stewart on the podium. Then Freeze, Geitzer, Barsha, Bloss. It's like Jason like, wasn't there. I know that Wilson got hurt at that ring. It was pretty practice. much Kawasaki and Yamaha were there, but there was no Suzuki, no Honda. Um, you know, there the were no wasn't there. Yeah, there was no uh, Monster Energy or no uh, Red Bull KTM's there. There was no Husqvarna's there. It was just since the Tomac, and then Smart Tops. There have uh, been years where there's been a lot of lot of people were there. I mean, J Mart showed up, Chad Reed showed up, Bowers showed up, but I mean, that's about it. So it's not exactly all the top guys. It's a third to a half. I mean, Tim Geitzer was there. Yeah, Tim Geitzer got fifth, oh, and he's doesn't that. he doesn't race Supercross. So no. there's just a lot of people that weren't there, and that's kind of how it's always been. We Still. just. Super fun race to go to, though. Yeah, super good to watch, but not exactly a Supercross, uh, you know, race. It really is. And a... that's going to be in California this year because they tore the stadium. That's uh, right. That's right. Switches to Cali, which could be fun. But I, yeah, I, yeah, that's interesting. So maybe nothing really changes with that. Is that what you're thinking? That, that no matter what, they'll put it on at some point in the year, and whoever goes, goes. Unless Supercross needs to run it over, then I think they would let it. Oh, I see. And it might might be nice as a uh, again as a, as a filler race to get you know for Feld to make a little bit more money and and put on another event that isn't necessarily points paying 
to distance themselves from uh, the end of outdoors. You know, whether they have a week off and then the energy cup or, or, you know, just that in between, they can put on an event, people will sit down, watch who shows up because people are thirsty for it. You know, people have, you know, we haven't gotten the racing that we're used to getting. So, you know, people are going to buy the tickets. And so if they can put it on, they'll hold the race. And if that gives the, you know, the points leaders more time to prep and get in shape for, you know, the last five to eight rounds of Supercross, I think they'll put it on. It does make sense that the promoters are going to push really hard for it. It's interesting that this particular group of uh, people that are in that forum, that they're not the promoters. <laughs> not, I'm sorry, yeah. not, not, the, uh, not the, the manufacturers and the others. Um, but they are the organizers. So I, I think it's just kind of funny that they're making... Well, the task force does include uh, someone, Dave uh, Pratter from Feld. Okay. And then it has, sure. And it has uh, Amy Ritchie. They, she owns uh, Unadilla. And I don't know who Alan Vanderler... But they're owns. pro motocross organizers. So they, there are some organizers involved in the Safe to Race Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's no manufacturers or teams... Mm-hmm. Uh, there is just a rider representative of right. uh, uh, J.H. Leal, which I am not aware of his connection to the sport. Yeah, but the, yeah, no Munster, no no Red Bull, you know, none of the money people. So I just it, it does make it interesting how they're they're probably thinking about the championships, just making sure there's not a a blank spot in the record books. Um, I I mean they, I don't. I don't think that they're going to be money minded or money centered on their decision making here, but maybe, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they're conscious of the, of the sponsors and trying to make sure they have an opportunity to make money, but I don't know. I just, if I was a rider, I don't, I don't know that I'd want it, but I'm not a professional rider. So maybe I'm an idiot, but I just don't know if I would want a weird season. Or versus no season at all, though. I mean, uh, there's a lot of riders, you know, privateers. This is, they have to race to make the money to, you know, race again next year. And, you know, a lot of them want just any chance to lead an LCQ and get seen and and make a name for themselves. There's, you know, the private teams like JGR, they barely scrimp together a season. And, you know, now they have to show these sponsors that, you know, look, we're being seen. We need you to come back next year, and that's going to be really hard if they only race nine times. Yeah, but I think every single promotional company knows that <laughs> was, it's, you, can't, you, you can't say, well, it just proves that there's not, it's not worth putting the money into Supercross. Yeah. I think everybody's going to know that. If, if it ended now, I don't know. I just, I just for some odd reason, I just I don't I don't see the logic of trying to stuff it into the end of the year and make it a shorter season and still call it a championship and ask all the riders to be switching back and forth between indoors, outdoors, indoors. I just it just seems like too much to ask. But but like maybe yeah maybe maybe the riders do want that little bit more money and that little bit more you know uh, seat time or time on the uh, on the tv so I'll, I'll go with you on that i just i don't know i know one you know you guys talked on the visibility thing i read a little thing from uh 
Justin Barsha this week where he's got virtually all of his contracts are up for renewal. And he's like, if I can't be on the track, how do I earn the position? Hmm. You know, how mm-hmm. do I, if he can't be on a truck, yeah, maybe, you know, Yamaha's going to say, well, we want you. Of course we want you. But, you know, if he hasn't raced for four months, they'll be like, well, but I hope you're healthy. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to let our, lower our gamble here and we're not going to pay you as much money. And that could happen to a lot of the guys, you know, but, you know, a couple of races could say, wow, look at that guy really took advantage of his time off. You know, he's worth more money. You know, there is that take what you can get sometimes even if it's more than you need i wonder if the industry can get together and all kind of make an agreement hey every contract we have we extend one year we'll pretend (laughs) this didn't happen uh kind of like the school systems are doing right now it's like well we'll just call this good we'll start again next year and like just you know extend everyone's contract a year if that's you know financially viable because you know, it's a level playing field. Everyone's dealing with the same thing. You know, everyone's had the same opportunity to show or not show, you know, what they've got. I think some some people coming in, their contract was going to be done anyway. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at, you know, the likes of Justin Bogle. Unfortunately, I feel like that spot's probably going to get, you know, uh, taken up and, and, uh, so, you know, do you still have to worry about pointing out if the season didn't, you know, didn't end? I mean, you're not going to accrue a lot of points. Yeah, I doubt that could happen because they don't have enough events, you know. But for Andis and Sexton, it's going to matter if they keep racing or mm. not because, the, you know, double champion points out, do they have to start over? Like, will they still be eligible next year? You know, huh. no Thank one's you. going to point out just on points. Because they've only gotten, you know, that's something else we haven't talked about is how many rounds on each coast for the 250s have they really run? And is that going to be, can you kind of justify that as a, as a season, you know, four races, does that a season make? Can you call yourself a championship uh, if you, you know, win after four or five rounds? Yeah, let's circle back to the rider motivation thing. So I was trying to think back on the history, you know, I, I, since motocross and uh, off-road, professional off-road riding came into play, I can't think of an event that interrupted like this. I mean, not even close. I I have to no, think, go all the way back to World War II with the Olympics. Is that like yeah. the last time we really had worldwide sporting events being interrupted by an event? I was trying to think, like in World War II, I remember reading about the Olympics that took place in '48. Uh, that would have that, that would have been the first ones after World War II, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So, if I remember correctly, there like all the athletes that missed out came back. Um, so, I think motivation to continue is going to be there. I don't, I don't know that we're going to like, people are going to just guy kind of, Oh, darn it. I missed it. Um, so I don't think we're going to lose out riders. Um, as far as sponsors go, if they, if they just said, no, we'll wait. And of course I'm only talking about supercross cause I look, they're going to hold something for motocross, but assuming it opened mm-hmm. by summer. Um, so 
are we going to really miss out? Are the sponsors going to like start pulling money? Yes, some riders might end up losing their rides, but shoot, that we have unpredictable slider riders losing their rides regularly. Uh, poor Wilson can't seem to, you know, find a scenario that works for him from year to year, and that has nothing to do with anything, right? So just holding on with both hands. <laughs> so I don't know. I I don't. I don't, don't need to hold onto the bike with both hands, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, just you know, twist that throttle, and I, I don't know. I, I don't think that we would see really a disruption of the industry by canceling a year of Supercross or canceling the remaining of the season. I, I just, it just, I don't can't think of any other disruption that has happened where the end result was that sponsors changed their support when the sport itself still exists and probably is going to have as much popularity as it did before. I can't imagine that popularity is going to decrease. Maybe sponsors change. Wouldn't Red Bull love that? Um, so I, but I don't think it's going to be like a concern for dropping. My, my biggest thought on, on that would be um, holding Supercross in the fall one fatal flaw and it's kind of the reason that we don't hold supercross in the fall <laughs> yeah you know where i'm going with this it might be a little that's, wet <laughs> that's football season oh, and oh, and oh. baseball season, at least in october yeah that's a great point so the the competition for eyes and ears because i know uh, a lot of people that i can have convinced to you know pick up watching supercross is because it's off season mm-hmm. for most sports uh, you know, January through through May is kind of, you know, that's when people have the most time for another sport. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of moving it into that more competitive area, which, again, every sport that is off right now, mm-hmm. you know, which is a lot of motorsports, we're all going to be, try to be packed into yeah. the same four-month span. Yeah, the stadiums I are going to be hard to find an opening for. Yes, they sure are. Exactly. Unless you want to do it on Wednesday night. Yep. Then they'll. So then they move to California. They do the some special setup of one of the outdoor tracks, or three of them, or four of them, or five of them, whatever. And uh, and now it's outdoors and it's raining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So nine months of nationwide global sports pushed into a four month yeah, span. Uh, I don't. I do I just. I can't see it happening. Even even if they did decide to say cancel the the fall supercross stuff because at the end of the outdoors everyone's just tired and says man i don't want to do this um as long as they could run a full outdoor series yeah um i think you're right on the sponsorship stuff i think they'd feel Mm -hmm. like they got decent enough visibility Mm -hmm. you might lose a couple of people that were you know on the edge anyway you know where they can you know maybe they want to support it but you know, they just lost too much money this year, and and you know that could happen. Mm-hmm. It could, but I, I think that it it won't change the sport next year from the sense that somebody's going to pick it up. I doubt that. I doubt that the price is going to, you know, the support prices would change. So I, I suspect yeah. it would just somebody else is going to step in because the the big ones aren't going to drop out. Yeah, There's, yeah, and A one would be the same as the yeah. A one this year. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that, whether they finish it or not. You know, one, you know, I've read several interviews from a lot of the writers and they're like, they're like, 
you know, if Supercross ends December 1st and A1's a month later, that you're like, bring it. We don't care. But, you know, I think when you're at the end of those seasons, you're tired, like, wow, I got four weeks and I got to start this all over again. You know, the one thing that that you mentioned earlier that really makes sense is the injury thing. You know, these guys are going to be fatiguing. They have to be fatiguing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a I mean it's a dangerous thing to move from motocross to supercross and just think it you just mm-hmm. put the switch and um and so they're gonna back off. So if you're gonna back off and you know you're gonna back off and you and you've only got a couple races to do, I just the motive yeah, I don't it just doesn't add up to me. I get it. Eli is gonna be bummed if he can't yeah. pull off a championship yeah. this year. Yeah. So but it's gonna have an asterisk on it anyway. And he knows that. He, he he said himself that he doesn't want them to call him in, uh, in September and, and say, yeah. hey, you got a championship. He doesn't want that. Yeah, yeah. he says that's a buzzkill. And he's right, you know. Yeah. Uh, this, the, the plaque shows up in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a podcast interview and that's the end. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Reenacting the jumping around at the mailbox. <laughs> Okay, so I got a question for you guys. So let's say that they do this. They pull out three weekends, some out of the symbol where they figure out where they're going to have them. Are you guys going to go to any of them? I mean, if they redo Seattle uh, and they move it to the closed dome stadium, I'm in. (laughs) But if if you're asking if I'm going to go out in October in Seattle to watch an open air uh, race, uh, if it's I, early October, you could do it. I'm going to say no because I got my microwave nachos here for a lot less. <laughs> and if, and if I want to make it like I'm there, I'll just have my wife pour a bucket of water on my head while I'm watching. I definitely could be game to go to one, David, no matter where it's at. Well, and I guess uh, so. football season's in, so weekend racing is, would be out if it's October and past, right? most likely that's correct unless they can you know say the team is away that weekend Um, yeah you'd have to but everyone's gonna want that by weekend everyone i mean we also got to remember music venues music concerts are also vying for all of these spots and college football uses those stadiums a lot i can guarantee you that cheryl and i um will will pick at least one if they do open it Mm -hmm. back up we'll pick one and we'll go to it um yeah i would like to go to the last round um even though it's going to have an asterisk next to it um if 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 we can do two that'd be great but if we just did one it'd probably be the last round Mm -hmm. so i don't know i I don't know how many other people. I I think enough people would be picking one of the few races that they do to attend. The attendance would probably be okay. Everyone's just dying to go to a live sporting event at this point. It would be okay. The attendance would be fine. Yeah. So so really, before we move on, riders. It's not about attendance. Probably not about sponsors. It's really about the riders. Yeah. Yep. Do they want it? Bottom line. And I, I think they think they want it now, but come the end of outdoors, they might yeah. be uh, yeah. backing off of that. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <clears throat> that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Uh, Eli's out there riding around by himself, you know, two and a half minutes ahead of everybody at the end of the race. <laughs> <laughs> He's lost everybody yeah. twice. Yeah, I got a championship. <laughs> so. Before we change subjects, I have, I have one more theory. What if 
what if they use this as an experimental year? Like it's already going to have an asterisk, right? We've said that a hundred times. So why not make it a chase? Yeah. <clears throat> Six or eight races, split them up east and west coast, and top ten in points for each series. You know, uh, resets. You know, um, you know, down one point each. So ten points, nine points, eight points, uh, going down, and say, hey, there's eight four fifties and four of each coast two fifties. This is we're going to practice the chase format and see how we like it on a year that's already weird. Because then they're not kind of messing with anything; they're just salvaging. Yeah, but and see how everyone feels. Is it a Supercross championship or is it something else? I mean, that could be debated. They could could call it the you know the first first ever chase for the Supercross, you know, and say, oh, this is just our our chase year, and you know, it's already going to be oh, well, that was the twenty twenty season, so yeah. And maybe people like it, you know. Maybe it draws in more viewers. And, I watch it. I definitely watch it. I don't know if I would like it, but I don't know why. It's still when, when, people. On when's the a better opportunity? Yeah. When's a better opportunity for them to try it? Yeah. There's going to be backlash, but I think this is our their best opportunity because they're not ruining a perfectly good season. They're salvaging. Okay, so throw this at me because I still don't. Isn't it more or less just a reset? So really, uh, you're, Chase? you're talking about yeah. If you're gonna go, okay, the last three to five races or whatever they're gonna do are gonna end up being a chase. So everybody starts from zero. No, not everyone starts from zero. So the way that the way they did it in NASCAR, I mean, every sport does a little bit different, but uh, you know, NASCAR has multiple stages now. Where it's a knockout round, right? I where with yeah, with like eight or ten rounds left, they pick like the top ten, and then every race, the bottom two people of the point standings get knocked out. Right, uh, and so basically, you just have to stay in the top, and then eventually, it's basically a one-on-one. Right, um, and then you've got arena cross, which with the last like five rounds, put every, put the top few people. Um, just a few points ahead, uh, you know, from each other and everyone else could still race for other positions, but you could only win the championship if you had qualified in the top 10 with however many rounds left. So, you know, that, that gives third to 10th one more shot at the championship. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cream's going to rise to the top, but I mean, it. Sure. I mean, that gives a chance for the person who got injured at the first race to have a shot at it, you know. Cooper Webb gets his chance back. Yep. Uh, Justin Barcha, you know, gets a, another shot at it, you know, even down, you know, down through 10th place. Are they likely to come in on the last, like, eight rounds and all of a sudden win it? No, the top guys are probably still going to win. Um, but it, it kind of keeps it a little more interesting, and that's what other sports have done. And I'm not a huge proponent of the chase format, but if they're going to try it, I'd say this is the time to try it. Well, let's take a look at the current standings. What would that do? So what do we got here? Results, point standings. So let's say that they they took the top. Let's say they did the same thing, the top 10, which I think is a lot out of a, you know 20 riders, but let's just say the top 10. So that puts obviously Cien Surreal right back in the mix. 
Yep, even from his injury. But you know, that's that seems kind of fair because mm-hmm. he he was a race contender uh until then. I mean Kyle Regal uh famously defended his Arena Cross championship. He came into the season with an injury mm. and gutted out enough races uh to uh you know, he won enough and then he got kind of hurt again and he took off about four races and watched himself fall down the point standings until he saw, you know what, I'm in ninth, you know, only the top 10 go through. And then he raced one more before the, uh, the chase format started to keep himself in the top 10. And that gave him maximum time to recover before the real championship started and he had earned his spot before and you know it's it's a way that kind of like the nation you get to throw out your worst moto you know that's a thought i've had for outdoors is you know after, you know go down to the last three races and let everyone throw out their worst one or two motos and let the points you know bunch back up a little bit and then the last three is you know all six motos will count no matter what, but that lets you get rid of a, a bad mechanical or a mud uh-huh, race uh-huh. or just would everyone Cien- drops their worst. Would Cincerella be back in by October? I think he would be, wouldn't he? <clears throat> He's riding now. Yeah. Yep. So he'd be back so in. So is Savachi. Mm-hmm. You know? So, okay, yes. so that puts obviously Anderson back. I mean, that's a pretty big list of names that get uh, another shot at a trophy. So, yeah, that could be... That, that can make it an interesting asterisk, <laughs> you know. Not but it's not three rounds. Way. It's it would still be like eight rounds, and you know that's that's plenty for you to lose twenty points on the leaders. Total what? Like how would it get to eight rounds? Uh, if you ran, I'm saying if you ran like you know six or eight rounds at the end of the season as the chase. Oh, yeah. You know, not I'm not talking about just get... running two, two or three. Like run as many as you can. But run them as a chase format instead of carrying uh, over the point stands. I think it's going to have to be if they're going to do it. If they're going to bring her back and do it, it's not going to be six or eight. That's two months of racing. That's too close to the start of the next season. It's going to have to be like five races, one month of racing max. Well, even even then. Yeah, I think it'd be worth it. I think you're right. I think that would be a really cool way to to end the season, and uh, it's going to be an asterisk either way. So why not? You know, sure. They've been they've been talking about the chase format for ten years, but I tell you what, they talked about the Corvette going mid engine since the sixties, uh, and that actually <laughs> happened. Yes. So there's no reason we can't actually do a chase. During format. the during the pandemic year, it happened. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I I I vote for that. Sure. I'm going to it either way. I'm going to at least one of them. It's racing still racing. Week to week, it's always fun. Wouldn't it be cool? Hold it. Where was the original end planned this year? Uh, I know they were skipping Rutherford. Uh, well, no, they were gonna they were gonna do Rutherford, uh, Utah, I believe, was the last round. Oh, it was gonna be the last round. Okay, yeah. it was Utah. That's right. Not Vegas. Went to Utah. Okay. Huh. Was that the was that the college uh, baseball dome? Do you remember? Uh, for Utah, yeah. So let me go take a look real quick, because that probably would still be available, right? In October, November. 
Yeah, it might be as long as the yeah, because there's no football there, huh? Uh, huh? Right. Well, we'll see. I yeah. definitely go. It's, to... the, it's the Rice Rice Eccles right. Stadium, but I. I think that's a college football stadium. I believe, yeah, because yeah, I think they do one of the college bowls there. Oh, yeah. Right, um, Cycles. That's where Cheryl and I went last year. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that is a football. Yeah. Uh, University of Utah. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Um, uh, okay. Well, if it, if they move it to California, I definitely look forward to that. I don't know whether they would do it. Probably Anaheim. I don't know, because that's baseball season is that right that's in i can never figure out when they start it would it would be it would be a crapshoot to for all of these rounds it would be a complete complete disaster it's a woods uh, race where it would be (laughs) yeah the the east coast west coast travel would be uh pretty uh ridiculous yeah yeah well ultimately we will figure out we'll find out what happens yeah we will all right I got some better news. Uh, the sport is alive and well um, privately, at, at least. Uh, my son just turned six. Uh, my old son did. We finally got him on a 50. <laughs> he has been asking about it for over two years now. When am I going to get on a 50? When am I going to get on a 50? We started him out on a uh, little Strider 12. Um you know, balance bike when he was 18 months old, he was too small for it. About the time he was two, he was starting to get good on it. Um, and then when he turned four, uh, we got him on a pedal bike, which is the Stasic 14 that you can stride and then put the pedals on later. And uh, also a Stasic 16. And the Stasic has been a wonderful uh stepping stone but to really see you know what it did for him we had to get him on a 50 and we did that earlier this week and like i said he's been asking for two years to get on a 50 and uh dad how would you how would you uh say his attitude was when he sat on the bike for the first time with it running (laughs) he was scared to death he was shaking like a leaf Yep. He'd been looking forward to it so long, and once he was <clears throat> sitting on there ready to go, he just didn't know what to do with it. His brain was totally <laughs> off in la-la land, which was pretty fun, you know. Um, he was terrified. Yeah, he was terrified. But, what, you know, we kept talking to him, and, and he rode it a little bit, and then he rode it a little bit more, and then we're like, okay, we're done. You know, just he probably ridden, what, maybe 30 feet at that point? Oh, no, because he – you had him – you know, first sit on the bike with it running, and then uh, first time he hit the throttle and it started to kind of move as the clutch is engaged. Yeah, it's a little bit. He's like, I don't know. And, you know, Roger's like, okay, just come to me. And he went about maybe six feet. Mm-hmm. And they just, okay, and gave him a couple of minutes, talked to him a little bit, another six feet. And he's like, I'm done. And, and we shut it off. And he distracted him. Roger distracted him by having him move the bike, you know, kind of move it left and right and feel where the weight is, turn the bars lock to lock and kind of get him used to the size and uh, kind of shape of, of the bike because coming from the Stasic, which is only 20 some pounds to oh, yeah. the 50, which is 90 pounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
Walker's a very slight kid. Uh, he comes from very slight stock. So, you know, it took a lot for him to kind of hold it up. And, you know, it's so much wider. He's uh, Stasic is like a bicycle frame, basically, with a, uh, uh, a drill battery stuck on it. And so when he's got this full-bodied machine with the gas tank and the big uh, motor and exhaust pipe and, you know, he's got his motocross boots on, uh, you know, it was there's a lot more going on, but we kept him distracted. And then eventually he's like, I want to go a little bit farther. And so he went a little bit farther. Uh, but that was pretty much day one. But day two, uh, I was I was gone and Roger... Roger got him to go a little bit farther. Well, I had him doing laps because I I just ended up what he was doing is he was putting his feet up too quick before the speed got up, and so the bike wanted was wanting to just tip over. <clears throat> so I stepped further back like twenty feet so he could actually get up to speed. So there's some inertia going on, and then he he felt that I could see it in his face, and then I so I had him turn around and go clear across the yard, and then he was off and running. And he started riding around the whole field and everything and just having a good old time. It was pretty fun to watch him. Day three, we ran into a, a completely new problem because <laughs> day one, he was he was just absolutely terrified and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't ride more than a couple of feet. By day three, um, he was riding across the field uh, doing no footers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, of course, Grandpa and I are trying to explain to him, hey, bud, you've been riding this thing for a couple of days. That exhaust pipe is hot. Let's not do tricks yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, okay, so is this the CR or is this the PW he's on? It's a, it's a PW. It's a PW. Yeah, Yamaha PW50. It's the yeah. you know smallest, most accessible bike. They still can't keep them on showrooms. You know, they, say, they come in and they say within – you know, the first weekend that they have any 50s down down the road here, they said, oh, first weekend, they're all gone. Yeah, that was the first bike I bought for Dakota, too. I remember um, Jessica had her XR100, and uh, Dakota had his PW50, and they both started riding basically at the same time. And we went to uh, China Hat with you, Raj. I, I don't remember if you were there, Randy. I think you were because it was a pretty big group. One of those rides when the, both the kids were there, and there was that, that little hill climb. I don't remember which trail section it's on, but it's uh, kind of a little, little goalie. If you're on the hilltop, you kind of jump down into it. But um, coming up from the bottom, there's a couple little steep spots that people do. Anyway, Jessica could not clutch that that hundred up that thing. And, you know, she was still getting used to that clutching. But, you know, here goes Dakota on that PW50, man. Just pinned it. The thing's going, wee. You know, and the wheels barely turning, but traction the whole way up went up the first time. I remember how Jessica was pretty upset, but that PW50 with the, yeah, just that the auto clutch, man, that's just a fantastic bike. It's so accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's a great transition from that, um, not an OSET. What was the one you have? Is it an OSET? The, the Stasic. Stasic, right. That's got so, a great transition. Yeah, we're still kind of seeing what the major differences are, but um, you know, knowing how how I came up basically from from you know a pedal bike to a fifty, um, without that in between, Walker already has throttle control down, and 
you know, momentum with his feet on the pegs, uh, a lot of, a lot of positive things. Cause when we went from this, uh, Strider to his, uh, Strider 14 pedal bike, it took him about five minutes to learn to ride a bike. Mm. So we were hoping that, you know, this same strategy would, would help here. You know, we started him on, he was, he's small for his age. So we started him with a, you know, an electric bike and, um, just a couple of months ago, he was to the point that he was popping wheelies on it and uh, uh, wheelied it over backwards uh, for the first time. So he's used to that snap off of the bottom and transitioning to the 50, which no matter how hard you hit the gas or how much you lean back, that thing's not going to wheelie unless you're <laughs> you know, 90 to 100 pounds and really ripping up on it because it's it just... You hit the gas and then it has to rev up and that clutch has to engage and then start going. And it's so heavy with such small wheels, it just doesn't do that. So he has fine throttle control, but he doesn't, you know, he has more than he needs. So instead of, um, you know, like like I did, like most people did, and uh, I remember you teaching Dakota here uh, at uh, my parents' house um, and him going into the fence uh, you know, that hasn't happened yet because he's not whiskey throttling it because he's used to up to 12 miles an hour. He's comfortable on that. And the bike being heavier uh, means that he's got better inertia because he's used to the bike only being 20 pounds. It reacts so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Stasic act, uh, reacts so quickly that the heavier PW is a lot smoother I mean, it's it's like going from a dual sport to a Harley. You know, it, it changes directions a lot slower, a lot smoother, more predictably. It's not as twitchy. So he's kind of going from a more difficult bike to a, to a more mellow bike. But we know that the 50 has a higher top speed and it has proper suspension and it has front and rear brakes. So there's a lot he's still going to have to deal with, but... You know, he couldn't go out in the field with the Stasic because the rigid frame just kind of, it moved way too much because it would, it would buck him around. Now having proper forks and a rear shock, he can really go out and start going over the jumps and the obstacles. And, uh, but he's got to learn to keep momentum because he doesn't have that power off the bottom. So it's going to be very interesting to see you know, how smooth the transition is from electric to gasoline. Are you um, thinking this is going to be just like a year or two on the 50, probably maybe just a year or are you thinking for longer than a year? I don't know. Maybe two years max. Yeah. He's, he fits it kind of, I think Roger said he fits, fits it perfectly to an inch too tall for it. Yeah. And he's he's a he's a slighter kid, but he's he's catching up quick in height at the very least. So you know his his knees aren't you know up by the handlebars like they were starting to get with the, with the Stasic, but uh, you know he's definitely not by any means too small for it. So it's all about how quickly he grows. Um, yeah. But I I was joking uh, just day before yesterday the last time he rode he was doing no footers uh i'm like well now i gotta get an xr70 i just bought this 
That's why you buy used 50s, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have it long enough for it to matter. What did you do with Randy, Roger, when you got him starting to ride? We got, uh, we had Mark's PW50. And then after that? We got a PW80. You got the 80. Yeah, Yamaha PW80, and it was new in 2000, 2001. Something like that, yeah. We bought it brand new. And then um, Rachel got the 150F. And then Randy rode that for a short period of time. Well, he was kind of too you're, big. For... You're missing a whole section in there because we went, we bought the PW80 when I was about 10, like 9 or 10. And they said that there was a uh, an exhaust restrictor. On oh, it, yeah. A little <laughs> disc between the exhaust and the, and make the engine. It go really fast if you took it out. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's a it's like a restrictor plate for, for NASCAR. And so you take that thing out and then it'll, you know, you'll get more uh, more power out of it. And he said, well, when I learned to shift, because this was a three-speed, clutchless three-speed, and he said, when you learn to use the, the gears, you know, we'll, we'll move you up and we'll take that thing out. <laughs> and I, I earned it and I did it. And, well, there is no disc. Yes. That's all she wrote. That was all it had. <laughs> so from there, I graduated to a 1984. Five. Five. A 1985 XR100. Um. And I rode that for a number of years. I feel like two or three years. And uh, yeah, then I went to the uh, 05, uh, 04? 03. Maybe an 03 CRF150F, the trail bike version. Uh, that's the one that my uh, first ride on that up at McCubbin's Gulch here in Oregon was my faded uh, uh, tibia break. Uh, was on that bike. Trip to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that was a few months of recovery. And then by the time I uh, recovered from that, I was physically too tall for that bike. And that kind of uh, marked years 15 through 18 that I just didn't ride. Uh, 15 years old, 18 years old that I didn't ride at all until I uh, picked up my CRF 250R and got back into the sport at 18 or 19 years old. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the route that we went. Um, but I feel like uh, having been through that, that I don't think that the PW80. I think that's more a first bike for a tall for someone who is too tall for getting a in 50. at a later age. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> the proper step up, depending on the kid, is either to like a XR or a CR70. Or to a 65 two stroke. Mm. If you're going to be racing, then the next step up is a Cobra 50. But um, that's I feel like that's very specific because you can't you can't use that on the trails as effectively. Those are a radical machine. Yeah, those are gnarly, kind of like the CRF 150R or the like. You know, taking a modified 65 or 85 out to the trails can be work. Um, so it kind of depends on what he prefers. If he wants to be on the track or the trail, I think that we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, I think as early as next spring, but likely next fall of 21, he'll be on yet another bike. 
which is good because my uh, two and a half year old is growing very quickly. <laughs> so he'll be he'll be right on his tail. I was trying to remember what we did with Dakota. Roger, you might be able to remember better than me, but I do remember he went from at some point he took over the hundred um, that Jessica was riding the XR hundred. And then Jessica started riding the Yamaha 110, and then he took over the 110, and then went to the 125. But um, so he was on he was on the PW, yeah, I think it was PWXR, and then the the um, what is the what? TTR and yeah. the RM. Yeah, and the TTR 110. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, so he didn't hit the two-stroke world until the. I mean, if you don't count the PW, since it's you know auto lube, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he didn't do the two-strokes till he had his uh, his Suzuki 125, which is still the bike that we have. So <laughs> that's a fun bike. Keep the 125, man. We 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 preach the fun that they are. What year is that? 2001. Such a great year for the Suzuki RM125. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who do we know that was professionally riding an RM125 yeah. in 2001? Who would yeah. that be riding <laughs> one of those? Uh, well, hold it. Uh, wouldn't have been Carmack. He was off it at that point, right? Travis. Travis, Travis Pastrana. That was Pastrana. Pastrana. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Good, good, good bike. Um, it's definitely worth keeping a lot of those old bikes around until you're, even when your kids are all through, you know, just there's going to be someone that's going to go, oh, yeah, I want to get my kids into riding. You go, well, I've got a garage that you yeah. need to come. <laughs> you take this one, and then when you're done with this one, you bring it back and grab it. Like, that's, that's kind of what you do, you know. Uh, unfortunately, my dad was wise enough to uh, clear out his inventory uh, as he got it, because otherwise you just got bikes sitting for years, and then they have to get gone through. Well, hold it. What do you mean, cleared out his inventory? How we quit. We quit that right now. We, we, how many oh, are in there? Was it twelve? Twelve. There, there are twelve motorcycles in the garage uh, below us at the moment. That's what you call out of control. That is that is definitely out of control. Yes, you did cycle through your box. What I like about your collection, Raj, is that you kept your favorites. So that's, yeah. That's, oh yeah. Roger only has three bikes. Roger only has three. Oh, really? I thought I thought last time I looked in there, it was quite a few more than three. I mean, before well, that, I that are actually that are that are actually mine. There's only three. Roger oh, owns three okay. motorcycles, uh, and there are twelve motorcycles in the garage. I'm very confused. <laughs> so am I. Well, well at, uh, at the very least, three are mine. Uh, another uh, one is a. a friend of ours which is actually our three of them are friends of ours uh which is actually our next subject is one of those okay so that's nine uh yeah and then there's your daughter's oh her is, bike is down there why is her what? bike there the oh, no, talking to me Rachel, rachel's 150 because they're they and i have ryan's bike in the garage too yeah. because your, your they're, they're replacing the roof on oh. their shop oh, okay. and so they can't put anything in there uh, right so they have a reason but Rachel's has never left the house since they got married, and Ryan's ended up here because I took it to California over oh, the winter. Got it. And came back, but and when I by the time I got back, that's when they were started on their listen. 
there's a very good chance, Raj, that I'm going to need a place to put my four bikes in a couple weekends. So, <laughs> since you've already aren't putting into your cars in the garage, obviously, <laughs> you should see you should see the look on his face. A week ago, down. there was uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, there was two cars parked in the garage. <laughs> and now there is. Now there's now there's none. none. Now there's none. <laughs> <laughs> but it's summertime i can live with that if it's once it's winter time i like my truck to be in there my little truck so that i mm -hmm. don't have to clean my scrape the ice off the windows or any of that kind of stuff so just get in and go what is your reasoning for not storing your bikes in your bike trailer your big one <clears throat> well actually sometimes i do keep them in the keep some in the toy hauler okay uh, I've got them all out now because when I got back in California, they all needed to be washed and gone through, and and that's an ongoing project. I I have a couple of things to do to the 125, and it's completely ready. But you know, my 450, I need to do a lot of going through on it, and everything needs tires. Once I start getting, once I get tires in these bikes, then I can start putting them back into the toy hauler because hey we're gonna be riding soon anyway right yeah right oh bud <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's my plan as well uh while we are moving uh state to state again we are um we're gonna be picking up a uh uh not a toy hauler per se but a you know a covered trailer like a six by ten six by twelve uh trailer and that's what uh that's where the bikes are going to live. So we can keep kind of all of the, yeah. basically I'll have a rolling garage uh, kind of situation going on. So the, the garage will be yeah. more cleared out at that point. And then, you know, as, uh, you know, as, you know, Rachel's, uh, you know, their shop gets built, that will be two more out. And um, he's got a couple of, a couple friends. in for repairs. Yeah. A couple that are just getting fixed and then they'll go back out to, uh, back out to the respective owners. So this is just kind of critical mass, I suppose. Uh, and it should start, uh, it should start going back into doable territory. Cause he even sold that one, uh, as we talked about last episode. So, so how, how big's your trailer Dave? Well, the six by 12 that I've had over at Wes's, um, we finally sold and, uh, to his neighbor actually. So it's still like even in the area, but, then I, I upgraded to this eight by sixteen. That's the one I was thinking of. You one you have now that yeah. you can park on the side. You're eight by sixteen. Yeah. So it, it <clears> that's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's a it's actually rated as a car hauler, but um, it's you know is that a tandem or a triple axle tandem? If it's a car hauler, it's it's a two. So it's a it's a light car hauler, but it's got okay. the extra beam that goes down the middle, which mm -hmm. is what this particular manufacturer does for their their uh car haulers so um so it's it's a it's light enough that i can move it around when it's empty but not very easily <laughs> that's one thing but, i loved but, about that six by 12 i literally push that thing everywhere empty all over the place up and down the street <laughs> i mean i it was such a great great size for a couple bikes and i had four bikes in that thing but so you have so if you put four bikes in the current trailer you have, you have well, still have a lot of room I left, don't you? I can work on one of the bikes in the front of it while the other bikes are all sitting in their stalls on the back of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. 
And that was eight by twelve. Eight by sixteen. Eight by sixteen. Eight by sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Wow. See, that's that's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. I actually yeah. don't enjoy driving around with it. <laughs> it's just too freaking huge, and uh, I really mm-hmm. love driving around that six by twelve. I think it spoiled me a bit, but um, mm-hmm. but the size of it uh, for you know I don't have a garage anymore. I don't have a shop anymore. So ever since we got you know we moved into the apartment, then we moved into this shared dwelling here. Uh, ever since then, it's it was necessary. So as a standalone storage and working unit, it's a perfect mm-hmm. size. Um, my Dodge, <clears throat> you know the the Durango, it it pulls it. Um, mm-hmm. It's okay with it. I don't think I'm stressing it out too much, but it, uh, it it's 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 close. It's close to being too much. It's, it's the top of huh? yeah, top of comfortable. Yeah, definitely the edge of it. Definitely the very edge. I don't know how you do that huge thing you drive around with, Raj. That thing's just a beast. But <laughs> you get you actually get used to it. You just get used to it. Well, what what is that thing overall length? When you hook your four place snowmobile trailer, which I, which is your longest bumper pole, up to your crew cab long bed diesel truck, sixty two feet long. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Is it, isn't a typical uh, tractor trailer tractor 60 feet long? So when I, it's not. So when I, if I line up the back of my trailer with the back of a 40 footer semi, <clears throat> my front of my truck is at the front of the driver door of a semi. But honestly, you get used to it. It's no big deal. I mean, it's just not... you just accept that 30% of parking lots yeah. you cannot go yeah. into. Yeah, the snowmobile trailer, even though that's longer overall than my do my toy hauler, because the toy hauler is a 30 footer, but of course it's fifth wheel, so it shortens it up. That fifth wheel, just because it's the weight and the height, that's definitely way different. The snowmobile trailer, no problem. But the toy hauler, that's it's not there's problem either because you once again you do get used to it. My and first, that, that's a gooseneck, so you got that uh, overlap and the articulation. Yeah. of that. But the first couple trips with that was terrifying, just terrifying. <laughs> um, it was because I mean, not only is it big, it's heavy. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's twelve five, which to me that's heavy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's heavy. But it, you do get used to it. You do get used to it, but you know, five, God. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole the whole rig is twenty, twenty to twenty one, depending on how loaded I am. Jeez. But when you, a couple of things like when you're working in in your trailer as a shop at your house, it's the right size. Yeah. And and when you were to you were to get out to the trail and decided that you know you were going to be camping and using your trailer for part of that too. It's the right size. Yeah. It's the between places that is the uncomfortable part. But honestly, that's just usually a couple hours. You know, mm-hmm. it's no big deal. You just you get it done because once you're there, it's worth having all that space and the amenities that it brings with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I, I actually did camp in the six by twelve a couple times out there at McCubbin's Gulch. I have yet to camp in this eight by sixteen, so I don't know. I have no idea what it's like. Well, we'll do our best to encourage you to go with us this year. Well, fair enough. Hey, when you get to that point uh, where you're starting to look for trailers, Randy, if you end up wanting to get a uh, uh, something bigger than a 6x12, look me up because I, I might be selling this thing by then. So we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see if I uh, the uh, uh, my, 
my Ranger tops out at that, but I have a uh, BMW X5 diesel that'll do about 6,500 pounds. Um, so I'd have to look at the numbers on that. I'm at 45 with four bikes in there. Um, it's 20, I think it's just just over 2,000 um, empty, or I think so. I, I can't, I can send you the specs, but anyway, yeah, it's you're definitely way under your BMW's range. What's the GVW on the trailer? Seventy-seven. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's fifty-five. Fifty-five. Yeah. Huh? Well, see, then, then even even maxed out, it's it's within yeah. range. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely talk trailers because trailers are a big part of the sport. Because you know, uh, me being out of shape, I realized going out last time to the track in Texas that um if you're not used to pushing a bike up in your truck that that's a skill that you will lose <laughs> and then the very nice guy uh two trucks over will run over and grab the back wheel for you um but that is a skill that you do lose if you don't utilize it that's great. you know it doesn't matter even if you're in shape the bike is way heavier going in after riding than when you're loading up to go riding way heavier yeah that is very very true i wish i could claim that but 10 10 10 laps around a kid's track uh, does not tired make <laughs> no um, well the thing is if the bike if the bike is not any heavier after you've ridden you need to go back out and ride some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's true. You go, you go till you're done, man. Till you're spent. Yeah, that's that's right. Then it's a lot easier to load it into a trailer where it's got a ramp that's eight feet wide <laughs> and six six eight feet long. You just you can ride it up in there instead of well, I should have never lifted the truck. Sort of a scenario. No doubt. Yeah, when the ramp's eight inches wide and you're like. It'd be a lot easier to ride it up on there, but I've seen enough videos of people losing their back window. You know, that was one reason I bought that Ford 250 Triton was because it wasn't lifted at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was just a two-wheel drive, so uh, it was already a little lower than, than the others. Uh, I, I loved that truck. It was so much nicer to load that bike into that that uh, truck than, like, into Roger's truck. I just... <laughs> I really yeah. was, I'm glad when I took the white truck. <laughs> it was a lot easier. Yeah. It is sketchy going in there, but no failures yet. Yeah, well, yeah. you you've you have uh, I don't know how you do it, Raj, but you're you're very good at managing your risk. <laughs> because I do it all the time. Yeah, you, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, you, you've figured that out, man. Oh, it gets me sometimes still. Yeah. Well, hopefully. So, yep, go ahead. What you got? It's a lot easier if you could just ride the bike home. I have a lot of friends that ride dual sport, uh, Mark, we got to get Mark on here to talk dual sports. Dual sports are so much fun. I can never own one because I see curbs and go, I could just go over that and go into the building I want to go to. Like, it's so much easier if I could just go between these parking lots. You know, um, dual sports are, are awesome. I, you know, I have my endorsement. I rode street for about a year and a half. 
Uh, I miss it. It was a lot of fun, but I don't like the people that aren't paying attention on the road, playing with their phones. Uh, it's very scary out there when people do that. But uh, have you, David, ever considered dual sporting as a uh, as kind of an in between thing? Many, many times. I I just I have just not gotten to the point. I actually spent uh, whatever it was, three hundred bucks for the the three day endorsement thing you go to for the week. yeah in, in the state of oregon you're required to do a uh, a two and a half day yep. uh written and writing test to get what's called your motorcycle endorsement and it gets added on your license uh-huh. it's a little m that goes on there and that means you're allowed to ride a motorcycle well i ended up not being able to, to go to that uh, thing that weekend i so the state sells my money but um i ended up having to go to texas wouldn't you know it um that weekend and i missed it and i never rescheduled and i so i still have my endorsement but i i think about it all the time i just i don't know i don't know how realistic it is we are used to having bikes you know that are built for it right their their, their sole purpose is off-road and i don't know if if i've got that bike am i really going to want to ride a bike that isn't that good at doing off-road all across the doggone road and then try to take it off road and have as much fun as I would have if I just would have told my trailer out there. I I don't know. I don't know that I would enjoy it as much. I definitely, if I wanted to ride around in the city though, I think I would just get a, a light street bike, not, not like a touring bike, but maybe an adventure like a 690 adventure or something like that, or a BMW R1 or whatever those things are that they're kind of, you know, uh, like a GS sixteen hundred, the R one's the yeah. the leader bike, but yeah, like a yeah one of the smaller adventure bikes. Yeah, that that would really actually work great as just a street bike. But I don't know that I would actually ever do real off road. I'll tell you one experience I did have um, with um, Randy Collins. Is that his name, Lodge? Ron, Ron Collins. Collins. So I went. Um, Ex wife and I. Went with him and his wife to um, that place in southern southeast Oregon. Um, Alvor Desert, it, no, yeah, something like that. It's close. To, yeah, with the D, with the DTs. Yes, we went with the the TTs exactly. Four of them. He had two greens and two reds, and we uh, we actually had a ball. That was some of the coolest riding, and you could definitely take one of those big old heavy BMWs out or the R ones out there. I mean the um, 690s out there and enjoy that stuff that is some pretty cool off-road riding that i could imagine doing it's just probably not really in a trail i i don't think i would do a trail anyway so that's my take i don't know if i'll ever do it randy i, I uh i we have a uh, one of the many motorcycles in the garage is a drz 400 with with lights on it street legal I rode it night before last. Yeah. I uh, yeah. uh, just rode it around a little bit on the roads and stuff like that, just around locally here and just to see if I like it. And I definitely, I want to try like an adventure. Um, you know, Mark's got all kinds of places he wants to take me out in central Oregon. And basically you do uh, gravel roads, trails, and, you know, a little bit of pavement here and there to kind of get, point a to point b across the state 
and uh, I want to try some of it. You know, it, it's not something I'm going to clear tables tops on, although, right. you know, that risk factor thing, I'm sure I will. <laughs> but uh, but I want I want to I want to try it. You know, I don't want it to make me into an old man motorcycle rider. I don't want to just be doing that. I still got to have some action, but. I want to try it because I do like riding motorcycles, but to ride a street bike, you know, down the highway for four hours, that doesn't do it for me. I have to be doing something, mm -hmm. you know, even if I'm dropping down to the ditch and up in the cut bank and back down to the road and stuff like that. I got to do something. Otherwise I actually get bored. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I think what you're talking about, that's, that's probably the same thing I would be interested in. I just, you know, we live in Portland. It's a, yeah. I think it's a long ride to get to these kind of areas. It, I, I think it'd be totally fair to take the, to take, you know, to put a dual sport in the back of a truck, for instance, and drive to mm -hmm. Primeville or Bend, you know, somewhere and just go hit back roads, you know, and trails and such in exploring, you know, and be, I think that'd be totally fair rather than having to ride it all the way to Bend. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. Um, but to take it to your trailhead or to a to a hotel, you know, and you ride around and you come back and spend the night at the hotel or at another hotel out on the on the, your travels, you know, and then have a home base to come back to. And I th that is the kind of stuff I want to see about. There is a I saw an ad this week for a three day dual sport ride in Yosemite. Ooh. See, you know, you could, it's a street legal machine, so you can go a lot of places you can't go with a regular dirt bike. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of back roads in the national parks that you can go on that, you know, that aren't paved uh, for exploring that you may not want to take in your car. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, things like that. They they have my interest anyway. We'll see what happens, what comes of it. If it's just boring, it's boring, but at least I tried it. Um, it was the Steens, the area that I went to. It's probably a lot like what you're describing with the, the gravel roads. And you're you're out in the fields riding around on like old roads from the Oregon Trail time. So, you know, early, mm -hmm. uh, late, or mid 1800s. And uh, of course, out there in those mountains on the Steens area. And, uh, I can't remember the name of the the refuge that's right there. The um, for some other reason, I just turned up on the map. It's the it's the Klamath Wildlife Refuge. No, no. Or um, then there's go go east from there. It's quite a ways. There's a, there's a there's a Malheur uh, National Wildlife Refuge, and there there is the one at the, by the lake there. Yeah, um, I that's the one I'm talking that's, about. That's Mal that's that's Malheur Malheur Lake. It's the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah. I'm sure that's. Okay, and that might be it. For some reason, I've, I didn't think that was it. And I'm, I'm trying to find the city that we actually stayed at. So there's a really cool city. They cater to to dual sporters. Uh, a, a little, I'm sorry, a hotel in this little tiny city right next to the um, to the wildlife refuge. And uh, I, for, it's a two-named city. And for the life of me, I can't find it. I don't understand why that's so hard. But I, a I have a two-named city. Huh? A two name city. Yeah, it's huh? like uh, uh, something, something, something Valley or something. I don't remember. Uh, I, I'm still looking for it here while I'm talking. Not Jordan Valley is way out on the border. No, 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 uh, no not oh, for goodness. Well, while you guys, while you guys look for that, um, I'll just go ahead and say that my my thought on, on what you guys were saying is, uh, I know, 
I know some people that ride, you know, we've, we've mentioned Mark. Uh, Mark is not slow by any means. He's, <laughs> he rips on the trail. Uh, he often takes a 125 just to keep himself busy. Um, and I feel like uh, he, if, if they were the penalty box that, uh, you know, that it would kind of seem like they would be on the trail, that he wouldn't keep doing it. He's the guy who will ride in any conditions and just keep oh. going. And he says that most of the <clears throat> routes that he builds are like 90% dirt and gravel. Wow. Um, and from personal experience, um, the bikes that I rode were not full fairing street bikes. They were cafe style bikes, um, you know, standards. And, uh, <clears throat> When I would ride out, we, we would all always go somewhere with an intent. Uh, so, like, we would go out from uh, Highway 224 out towards Crater Lake direction. Um, we would go about 50 miles because my tank would last about 110 on that bike. So we'd go about 50 miles out, and we would find a forest service road that would take us up to a viewpoint somewhere. And the whole time going up and down the forest service road, I'd see little trails off to the side and stuff. And I'm like, you know, if I could ride for 30 minutes outside, you know, on, on a, on a paved road and then ride some dirt trails and, you know, from track to gravel for two to three hours and then another 30 miles back to kind of cool down and relax. And then either if that's not your house, it's where you've parked your truck kind of like Roger said about having a base camp. <clears throat> I think that would be uh, an excellent kind of uh, middle ground where you don't have to take your your truck all the way to the trailhead because, you know, any if anyone's ever ridden a, a dirt bike on the street, it's loud, it's uncomfortable, it's twitchy. Um, so if you have something that's comfortable to do the last little bit in, then yeah, you can just ride back to your truck that you left at the brewery parking lot and go in and have a brew and dinner and then, you know, load your bike up and, you know, head home. Like that sounds like exactly what I want to do with a weekend. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there's definitely a way of uh, keeping it good for, um, you know, for someone who wants to keep, uh, you know, riding, but you just kind of really dual sport it. You know, I don't think it's dual if you're riding for on this on the pavement for three hours like from Portland to Central Oregon, and then you know riding for an hour and then having to stop because you got another three hour ride home. Hmm. You know, I feel like that's that's an uneven split. So, David, was it Silver Lake or Christmas Valley? It was French Glen. I just found it. French Glen? Yeah, French I've Glen. Heard of that. On the edge of the, the Steens Mountain Road. So it's literally the start of the loop that you would do to go up onto the west side of the Steens Mountains. And and that whole valley in there is uh, is a wildlife refuge. It's, a, it's the one where everybody goes to watch the birds migrate. It's like... So off of... Is that off of Highway 205? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sign- it's not showing up on Randy. Would you on... would you do that with your wife? Would she do that with you, or is that going to be a loner thing? 
I'm I'm literally we had the discussion the other day because now I have the 250 running. Uh, she literally looked at me, you know, with the face that she always makes, and says, "You're going to make me learn to ride a dirt bike, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> so that's a yes to me <laughs> yeah i i think i think she would do it because she's you know she's branching out she's finding more stuff to do and if i could get her comfortable i think she would do it and especially if you know what we consider to be boring um you know people who have less uh experience uh would you know what we say is the you know the fun part they would say is the hard part so, you know, people who are not motocrossers, you know, sure, you haven't ridden in a while, but you are a motocrosser, you know, for, you know, a long time. So you have a lot more skills than you, you know, may uh, say you do. So I think they would enjoy having, a, you know, an amount of time to just kind of cruise around and then, you know, <clears throat> spend some time on the gravel and then they get to see a lot of cool scenery that they wouldn't have been able to see, uh, from a car. And I know one friend of mine, uh, Jeff from a garage night, he's looking forward to doing trails to get to viewpoints because he's a photographer. Oh, he's, yeah. he's an artist like that. So for him, when I showed him some of the pictures of, you know, Oh, this is the view from, you know, from the top of, uh, you know, out in Millican Valley. And this is the views from, um, you know, all these different uh, trailheads that we go to. And he goes, that looks really cool. I'd like to get up there. I said, you can't get out there without some type of all-terrain vehicle. Sure. He's like, well, that would be fun. So a lot of people, it'll be the destination, whereas for us, it's the journey. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think a dual sport is a, you know, again, in the name is dual sport. It's two, two ideas coming together. And this would allow you to do exactly that. You bring, you know, we do a little bit of the fun, uh, hard trail riding and a little bit of the easy road riding, but it's all, it's all motorcycles. And, you know, the likes of Andrew short can go from serious podium competitor race winner, uh, competition to, you know, loving doing the, the desert stuff. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of room to try out all these dis different disciplines. I've always wanted to try trials. You know, I think it can only help you to sure. go out and try these different things. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I, I'm with Raj. I think going, finding a, a guided tour <clears throat> or somebody who knows, you know, where to go to actually have fun. Uh, mm -hmm. It'd be worth trying to trying it to see, you know, if you yeah. want to invest into it. I think that's smart money. Yeah. Yeah. Just dip, dip your, dip your toe in the water yeah. and see if you like it. And that might be, you know, easier for you. Cause we've kind of discussed, you know, you trying to get back into the sport with, you know, mm -hmm. health stuff and, and uh, you know, time and all that. And this could be something that you can be on a motorcycle for two hours, but, you know, only exert yourself, you know, to a high level on the trail for, you know, a few minutes at a time, it's okay. We're going to go to this trailhead. We're going to take this, this is three and a half miles. And then we'll ride on the trail. It kind of gives you breaks, like, like doing a moto and then sitting at the truck and then doing another moto. But instead of sitting at the truck and getting cold and having to keep, to, keep busy. Yeah. You don't let your heart rate drop all the way <laughs> down. It just drops back down to, you know, 80. Um, but you keep riding, you keep moving 
and then you go back into the next section. You have time to breathe and you know come down to 110, uh, but not so much that you get cold. I think that might actually be a silver bullet for you specifically today. And we know a guy with an extra bike who would be happy to you know show us around. So, yep. Yep. Do you guys know uh, if you if let's say that you loved it, do you know what bike you would go out and get? Well, it depends on the level of level of commitment commitment. <laughs> sure. I think there's I think there's two answers to that. There's the are you leaning on the moto side or are you leaning on the uh, yeah. on the road side because for us we already have motocross bikes so we could afford to go a little more street without worrying about it. Um, but I mean if you were going to choose one that's a different story i mean if you have to trade them all in i think dad and i probably have the same answer which is the new uh crf 450l yeah that would be my all-in choice if it had to be one bike but dip dipping the toe in the water i think uh rmz 400 is plenty good (laughs) no you're right that's a great point even an old uh xr 600 uh yes xl i guess in that case or xl yep yep XL 600 you get for 1500 bucks right. and nothing's going to be totally reliable. You know? Yeah, absolutely. On, on the other side, uh, more, more towards an adventure bike for me, I absolutely adore, uh, sorry, this is a Honda channel. Uh, mostly, uh, the Africa twin, the Honda Africa twin is just an amazing looking bike and it, it's you know it's equivalent to like the GS, uh, where it's it looks big but it's not actually that heavy, you know, uh, big fairing up top. It's got um, projector beam on one side, halogen on the other. Um, very much a, a desert runner type of a bike, um, but I know for a fact I've seen pictures and videos that it can still you can still put your foot by the front wheel and uh, and take a bull turn. Um, that's pretty cool yeah that's one reason why i kind of like the adventure 690 the uh, the ktm every time i looked around at this kind of stuff i i always circled back that one it's still motocross-ish enough but um if you put that that wind guard you know the fairing on it and stuff it starts to actually you know probably sit on the highway a little better but mm-hmm. but i i yeah i it probably I, I like the BMW that might be a bit big and bulky for any kind of, you know, cobblestone stuff that you might find on yourself on. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I've never done it, but. Uh, it looks like it'd be fine for tra- tra- road and trail. Well, right? he was, uh, he had moved on from this. He's saying the BMW yeah. might seem a bit big. Oh, okay. When you start yeah, talking about twin stuff, yeah, it does change. That's 690 KTM Enduro or the Adventure, either one of those two. I, I just, I think those are just like that sweet spot, that lugability and the. Uh-huh. But I, I didn't actually look at the weight. <laughs> but any, any of those are going to be heavy. So I guess it's not really a big deal. And I I have um you know Wes um still goes out riding a lot. He's all street though. Um he and I have talked about what it might be fun to do as as uh, buddies going um dual sporting. So he would be one person that you know, we end up if the any of us start doing this thing and I get that bite, I'd probably try to rope him into it too. I'd I'd love to ride with this guy. <laughs> he he and I never have gotten to road ride dirt bikes but that one time that he broke his leg on. <laughs> 
Oops. <laughs> and, and if you guys can find a middle ground, you know, meet in the middle with with dual sport, you guys, you know, will, yeah, you know, I, it'd be fun, right? Put, put the, yep. Yep. It could be fun. So I guess with buddies, when, and when I think of it from that perspective, yeah, okay, uh, I get it. That you got to do it that way. Yeah. To do it by yourself, to me, I think would be boring. I don't even like to ride a track by myself. Yeah, gotcha. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, buddy, a buddy thing. Okay, all right. Yeah, you might have, you might be roping me into this idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I probably won't be, yeah. uh, be, be um, going too far off the beat path, uh, like getting a Cannondale or anything. So stick with yeah. a major brand. <laughs> the the six ninety is three hundred twenty two pounds. No, that's not bad. No, it's really not. It's heavy, but for a uh, you know for something that big, I think an XL six hundred is more like uh, three fifty or sixty. I think. Yeah, yeah I believe so. It's a steel tank, I think. Yeah, you have steal everything. <laughs> Some rim versus yeah. steel. Yeah, steel, steel everything. Rim, yep. Steel. Yeah, the bars are steel on that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yep. mean, the six ninety has a hydraulic clutch and you know <laughs> liquid cooling, all those fancy things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more stuff to go wrong. Um, that is one thing, though. You get uh, three hundred miles off of a road. <laughs> oh boy! You better be bulletproof, man. That's a long. You long better time. be bulletproof. Yeah, <laughs> oh. no kidding. Well, but wait, that's why you have your buddy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a tow rope. <laughs> oh, well, I can't imagine towing a bike out of uh, that long of a distance. But if you're on, you know, gravel roads or whatever, it's not too bad. If you're trying to come up out of a canyon on trails, that can be difficult. Okay. All right. I don't know. if it, uh, Once again, I'm going to diverge. How many times have either of you guys towed a bike with a bike out of the woods? Lots of times when I was a kid, but honestly, um, okay, let's say as the last adult, 20 years. I don't I don't think I have. I've been wait. I've been towed <laughs> pretty recently when I blew up my 125. Oh yeah, yeah. Nick with his YZ250, he towed me back to McCubbins. I was out on the power line road, and he towed me back. And it, you know what? Honestly, once you get into the routine of it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, but towing a hold it. So let me get this straight. He towed you out with a one twenty five. I no, but I was on the one twenty five that was broken. Yeah. He was on a YZ two fifty that he towed me. YZ two fifty four stroke, two stroke. So a crap load of clutch. So that clutch was gone by the time he got. Actually, well, you know what we what we did is we would get into you know upper second, lower third, upper second, lower third. And honestly, once we got going, which really wasn't hard, um, then no, he did not have to clutch it a lot. It wasn't bad. And of course, once we got to a road section, then we took that way back. Uh, all right. Uh, but that was like, what, maybe four years ago? Oh, okay. Um, that's really recent. That's pretty recent, actually. Yeah. But but we'll get, we'll get away from doing that anymore. We'll, mm. that, we're done. <laughs> I have pushed my Canada out of the hills at McCubbin's Gulch up freaking hill. I oh. that was the the one time I had a breakdown in the woods. The only time I've had to tow somebody it was uh, Dakota's one twenty five, and I had my four fifty. So that okay. that wasn't too bad. Um, it was really yep. really easy, in fact. What really killed me about it is when we got back to the car. 
Um, <laughs> you guys are going to laugh. Your bike started up. Well, it did, but for the in the weirdest way, the um, the, the spark plug uh, wire had come off the spark plug. The ignition wire came off the spark plug, and it was dangling oh. the engine. So it would like literally, if it would come up close enough to the engine, it would actually arc off and it would fire. <laughs> so he'd be riding along and he'd be riding, and it would die and ride and die. Right, and finally he, we couldn't get it going again, and we were looking at the bike and looking all over the place. Well, it was sitting just off the spark plug, so it wasn't like yep. dangling on there, right? Just sitting like it didn't look like it was off. So it was just the funniest thing. But, yeah, we towed that bike all the way back to the doggone trailer. We, I don't think we were 30 seconds into put, you know, putting it on the stand. And it's like, oh, look at this. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, that well, you needed to practice towing. That's all. You just needed to practice. That's, that's the <laughs> only time I've ever had to tow. So so maybe that's uh, – maybe yeah, maybe off-road's not that big of a deal for adventure bikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they could certainly tow. Uh, even another one because they got the big engines and the torque and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Good point. I imagine everybody carries a tow rope when you're off road like that. <laughs> the smart ones do. Yeah. They might, yeah, because a lot of times these guys are they're they're almost preppers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when they do this stuff, they got all the maps and everything. Mm-hmm. And the good news, we live in an electronic age. You can have a satellite phone and location system and an emergency button and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like thinking about it. I'm gonna have fun yep. thinking about that for the rest of the coronavirus the pandemic. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's time. Um, definitely, we didn't even get to uh, the vintage stuff. Uh, vintage. <laughs> um, the past races of of uh, years past. Uh, that you had been uh, checking out, but we'll get to that uh, next week, I suppose. And don't forget what you watched. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> no, I got it. I'm actually working my way up. So uh, I'll remember we left off at uh, 2011. Well, yeah, I got three three of the races I'll, I'll bring up. Yeah, I'm ready. Good. we we'll talk the path. Good. And maybe we'll have more information on how things are really going to go then. Yeah. Well, like I say, either way, I'm going to one of those Supercross races if they if they run them. I'll go. Yeah, uh, I'd be game too. Cool. I'd be game too. We were thinking of going. Of course, we had Seattle tickets. Yeah. Um, but we were thinking of maybe going to one of the end races, be it Vegas or Utah. We were thinking of it anyway. All right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, so yeah, I'll coordinate with you if that if that comes around. Yeah, sounds good. That sounds good. Excellent. You guys have any other uh, final thoughts? Or did we get them? I think we got most of them all out. My last final thought is welcome back to Oregon, Randy. I'm really glad you're here. And now you have some decent trail riding to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're going we're gonna to make use of the, uh, of, of the riding spots that are open. <laughs> like it. Excellent. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all the usual stuff. Um, check out the Instagram. Everything else is there. Uh, more changes happening with the network starting YouTube. Uh, so we'll add a loose spokes to that uh, as we get more content for it. Uh, but yeah, check out the other shows, check out the website. Uh, links are all going to be in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to let everyone uh, take off now. So this is the part where we say goodnight. Cheers. Good night. Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for joining, Dave. Yeah, glad to come here. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening to the Loose Spokes podcast. A special thanks for Jahazer for the use of their song, The Last Ones, under the Attribution Share Alike license.